man, it is a beautiful, beautiful winter day. Nice and cloudy. It's cold. It's great. Sipping my coffee. Man, life can't get much better. Hello and welcome to Across the Pond, a podcast where I get to speak to people from all around the world. Today we get to speak to Jonathan. Jonathan is a man currently residing in Missouri, St. Louis to be precise. Jonathan is honestly just really chill, you know? Well, you don't know, you'll find out. We talk a good amount about rugby and sports and kind of what Jonathan wants to do and we talk a little bit about his podcast, which is a really cool concept that I'm excited to be on whenever he finishes the show that we talk about towards the end. But overall, it was just, I don't know, it's hard to put in words because it was so good. I thoroughly enjoyed my time with Jonathan. Set you there. You hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you well. Awesome. Sick. How you doing? Good. How about you, man? I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, can you give me like 20 seconds to where I can take my plates into the kitchen so I don't have a bunch of plates on my desk? No problem. Take your time, man. All right. Thanks. One sec. Okay. Sorry about that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I was watching. Um, I'm a, I'm a big soccer fan, and I'm uh watching my team play right now. Her kind of on the side they're they're kicking butt so it's like a, you like you want to watch it you know but you don't have to because you know that they're going to win mm-hmm. and um i just got home uh, i don't know maybe 45 minutes ago and made a pizza mm-hmm. and was eating pizza and uh as soon as you joined i was like oh shoot i got my pizza still on my desk and it's all <laughs> gross and stuff because i've been sitting out so you know i had to take that out because i don't want to sit there and stare at it and try and eat it again but then it'd be gross you know mm-hmm. awesome cool well Thanks for doing this, and thanks for coming a little early. You know, it's always nice to to start a little early. Just you know, to it is going to sound bad, but hear me out. You know, it's nice to start early, but um, you know, then you can get it done a little bit earlier. You know, because yeah. I like to keep these about an hour or so, and the sooner you can get them done um, without sounding you know disrespectful, the better. Just because then it feels like you have more day. So this yeah. is this is super awesome. So, um, are you uh, going to be watching the Super Bowl at all? Are you a football fan? I am a big football football fan. Um... I grew up playing. I, well, I didn't grow up playing football. I grew up playing baseball here down in Los Angeles. But um, football, I got to play um, throughout high school. I'm a big Raiders fan, personally. Okay. And my dad's a Raiders fan. So, but uh, no, like football, football, football is big in my house. My house, at least watching it for sure. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm from uh, Las Vegas. Uh, I well, long story. I I lived in Vegas for a while. Lived in Montana for a while, and then now I'm out in the Seattle area. But yeah. uh, it was really cool to hear when the Raiders were going to Las, uh, Las Vegas. And I was like, yeah, now I got another team to root for, including the Golden Knights <laughs> if you're into hockey. Or what else does Las Vegas have? I think that's it. Just hockey and football now. Cause yeah, they don't... That's, um, but the, um, I remember it was it was maybe uh, two years ago. I mean, it must have – no, three years ago I went to a Golden Knights. I went to the playoff game. So I was in, the, I was in Vegas with my, my um, girlfriend at the time. And we won tickets to see like a playoff game. Like I, we were gambling and I won tickets. And I was like, oh, well, I have to go. I have to go because I forgot that Vegas even had got a hockey team. Yeah. 
So I was, and um, we have the Kings here. I went to college in St. Louis, so I got to watch the Blues and the Blackhawks play a lot. Okay. So, uh, but no, I, it was my, it was my, that game was my first, second time going to a playoff game, first time going to a game in, well, seeing any Vegas team play ever because Vegas has never had a team. Yeah. In my, in my entire life for any sports. Yeah. Do you, um, real quick, do you by chance have a pair of headphones that you can plug in just because sometimes when I speak, I can hear myself? Yeah. Hold on real quick. Thanks. Wait, do these have a mic? Oh, it doesn't matter. I was going to say, you should be able to reroute your input to be your computer. So, can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Do you hear okay. any back um, feedback or anything? Nah, nah. It's all good now. Thanks. Yeah. Like you were, you were saying when I was going, yeah, you know, I would hear myself. I was like, wait, that sounds creepy almost. Like, you know, I can hear myself. Anyway, it's all good now. Thanks for doing that. I appreciate it. Um, no so you said that you were super into football and stuff. Were mm-hmm. like yeah. your family and everything, was it just always, were they always a big sports family or was it uh, something like, for example, my family, we weren't really into sports or at least watching sports until mm-hmm. we got a little bit older. So has your family just always been in that realm? Yeah. So um, it's, it's crazy. It's not even crazy. Like it's just, it's just something that we all do like um, baseball. We would go to Dodgers games growing up um, when they would do like the, um, cause so we go to, it was just, um, I guess where it came from is that my parents wanted us to go to live sports events. Okay. So we would typically go to a lot of live sports events because we're in LA. So we had two, we had two of everything. We have two baseball teams, two hockey teams, uh, now two football teams. Okay. So it was, it was easy for us to like get a, um, get to watch sports live. So as a family, it became, it was always a thing because my dad used to watch go to um, Dodgers games with his dad my papa mm-hmm. when he was younger so um I think it was and my mom same way like she would go she would go see USC and um play at the um the Coliseum so it was always like a it's a for how big LA is like it's um my family my parents growing up always have to see live sports so it was only natural that their sons and any um, nieces and nephews would also get to see a lot of live sports growing up like my parents are not are not athletic by any means, mm. but they enjoy um, they enjoy watching sports. Gotcha. Yeah, that that's cool. I, I I personally really like sports. I feel like it's such a great medium to you know gather people together, and even if you're not necessarily watching it, you know at least you have something to you know cheer for. You know, like if you have a team that you're really passionate about, you know, support and mm-hmm. you know feel good when they win and you know kind of feel sad when they lose, you know, just kind of give you something to look forward to. Like I said, I'm a big I'm a big sports fan. I really, really like soccer. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't know if you know anything about soccer, uh, but I uh I'm a big fan of Chelsea, uh, which is a English uh team in the top mm-hmm. league. And so every weekend I'm so, I'm like, yes, you know, it's a weekend. I can't wait to wake up and watch them play, you know, like, so that's kind of sometimes what gets me through, you know, like my Fridays or, you know, if, um, there's a, there's a big, big tournament that goes on in mm-hmm. Europe called the champions league. Yeah. And, oh, you're, you're familiar. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. So, um, when I, I went to school and, um, I went to college in St. Louis mm-hmm. and that was the first time I experienced a city that loved that, I, that soccer was loved throughout the community because my college didn't have a football team. We only had a basketball and soccer team as the big sports. Oh. So, um, and, and soccer is really big in St. Louis. Like they have a large, um, 
they have a large like Bosnian Serbian population. So a lot of people love soccer out there. Gotcha. So like I would, and so in the bars you would see um, it's either they're going to play, be playing soccer, football, hockey, or baseball. It's one of those, it's one of that is like it's a, one of those four for sure. Gotcha. Are you a big fan of soccer? I'm just curious because I know that in the States, at least it's not as popular as basketball or even baseball, but are you, can you like sit and watch a game and like understand what's going on or do you prefer yeah. like hockey or something? So, um, that's the thing. Like when I was in college, soccer and hockey became the new sports I would watch because, gotcha. um, there's live games I can go to all the time. So I would just go, you know, I'll just go. So I, but I understand it. Like I was always around people that understood it. So like I could sit there and say, well, why was there, why was, um, why was the, why did they get the ball back? And he's like, Oh, they were offsides. And I, he was like, what's offsides? Like offsides for me means something different, but that's when they will break it. But they get a kick out of that. Cause it's like, I'm like, I don't watch soccer. So they were like, gotcha. well, this, this is how you do offsides. And I was like, Oh, okay. So you have, can't be a certain, like this certain person can't be this, this distance from this lot, this, I get, I would say a gain line. Um, or if they're past that, then it's considered offsides. But I was like, how do they catch that? But then they said, that's why they have so many, you know, refs so they can catch these kind of things. So it's, I think for people that I would, I would watch soccer and hockey with, it was a joy for them to ex expose a new person to a sport that they, they grew up playing. I didn't grow up playing soccer, yeah. but they did. So it's, it, it was fun for them to explain everything. And like, this is my favorite character, didn't I care? This is my favorite team. This is my favorite player and yeah. I'm using my, you know, they come, they come from this country or that country. So, and then you, you, you dive into how different countries play soccer, mm -hmm. but then it makes, it makes you more invested. It makes me more invested when the, um, the world cup comes around because now I, I, now I understand like, Oh, different countries play soccer in different ways. So it, it, it and to me, it's just like boxing because yeah. it's the same yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really interesting to watch the different, um, teams play so like right now uh you know with club and everything it's not country it's like anyone from around the world can play on this team you know yeah. like manchester united you're probably familiar with or mm -hmm. maybe liverpool or something like that but anyone around the world can play on that team as long as the team wants to sign them and what's really yeah. cool is that any any uh manager from around the world you know any nationality or ethnicity or whatever it is can manage the team so then you mm -hmm. have different players from different countries with a different manager all trying to come together and win the game so then you mm -hmm. see all these different formations and you know some teams are super super aggressive while other teams are really high pressing or really low pressing or very defensive it's so cool to see the tactics behind it and just you know the little for lack of a better term mannerisms if you will um that each uh, manager tries to implement in this team with different players, you know, like it's really, really interesting to see, you know, uh, someone from Africa playing uh, in the English league because they're usually much faster and quicker and more um, attacking minded than some of the people that might be from England. And so, you know, yeah. when you get that, you know, hodgepodge mixture of different ethnicities on all these other different teams trying to fight each other it's so cool to see you know just the chemistry behind it all that's one of the things i love about the sport and i guess it's kind of that way too with basketball and and football and stuff but um it's more i, I feel like basketball and football and uh not necessarily hockey because hockey is more well known around different parts of the world but you know with basketball and the nfl nba uh you know you have mostly americans that are playing it you might have a couple canadians here or there you know you might have a couple people from 
the Caribbean or, you know, maybe Mexico or something like that. But for the most part, it's very Western. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting to see, you know, just the dynamics of the, the differences of sports, you know, like, I don't know if you've watched any rugby before. I'm not super so into I, rugby. So I, so I played rugby. Um, I played collegiate rugby for four years. Oh, college. wait, what? Yeah. So, That's so um, cool. So it was, um, we have a club, we had a club rugby team in college and I just, I just got done playing four years of high school football. So I was like, I'll play. And I fell in love with it off the back. It was, the rules were confusing, but I think, um, as I, my coach put it, he said, the more you play, like the more, the more, um, um, game time you get, you'll understand the rules a lot more. Mm. And so I got to actually play four years of collegiate rugby, um, Two of my years, we made it to the um, the Elite Eight for Division Two rugby. Wow. Um, two of my years, we also made it to the championship for well, that was for 15s, and then for for sevens, we got we made it to the championship for sevens. So for two years in a row, when I was there. So um, no, like, and the way I like it's funny how I explain rugby to people. I say I say you take the physicality of football but you take the conditioning of a soccer player and you meld them together. And then you have, a, that's how you get rugby. Mm. Yeah. Cause like I can remember um, when I lived with my parents still, when I was still in school and just after high school, excuse me one sec. Oh, there we go. You know, sometimes when you drink like coffee or something, you get those weird burps. Yeah. I get those oh, all yes, the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but when I still live with my parents, I would watch, you know, soccer on uh, Saturday mornings. And after mm -hmm. that was done, they would sometimes do reruns of rugby games from that day. And so mm -hmm. I would, I would kind of watch it a little bit. Like it, it still makes no sense to me. I just know that they're huge meatheads that just plow into each other, you know, and they just really go at it. Uh, but then my mom would come over and she'd be like, what the heck is this? You know? And she'd be <laughs> like, how do these people not have like brain damage or something? Because they don't wear, you don't wear pads or helmets really. Like some people might wear like those, um, you see it sometimes in they're the skull cap. They're the skull caps. Yeah, the skull caps. Yeah. You know, you see those, uh, but I doubt that they really do that much, especially if you're, you know, plowing into someone like that guy's a big guy that you're hitting, not to mention you're a big guy. The force is tremendous between you two. It's like, it's crazy, man. But I remember watching it and just thinking, I don't understand. Like, I, I don't understand why, like, why sometimes do they have to kick the ball? Why sometimes do they have to place the ball, like, in the touchdown zone or the end zone mm -hmm. or whatever? Like, none of it makes sense to me. Do you care to enlighten me real quick? Of course. Um, so rugby is, um, rugby is, uh, in a way, it's the... Um, it's the it's football's dad so okay. um it's it's if you were playing it's rugby in the simplest way is if you were playing old school football from like before they had um, um the um, the uh forward pass okay because that's your so your objective is to get a, a try or a touchdown um a try when you when you and you have to you have to physically touch the ball down so um, a try awards you five points, making the extra point, the kick, it gives you two points. So you score in fives and sevens. Okay. And then there's, um, free kicks, which give you three. Um, so it's, it's it, like, at its core, it is like, it's, it's like football, but that's where it starts to divert because, um, so the kicking the ball in a way is not like in football where I'm giving the ball back to their team. Kicking the ball is actually a way for us to advance the ball quicker downfield because the only people that can chase the ball when it's kicked so say you and i are on the same team mm -hmm. say i kick the ball and you're technically 
you're to my left, but you're behind me. Okay. You you have the possibility to chase after that ball, get it and advance up, keep advancing the ball downfield. Okay. We we kick the ball to get out of bad situations. Um, we want to get we want to get the ball away from our try our our touchdown zone, our try line, because we don't want them to score. Because we might we um and so what happens is, but say you and I, so say I kick the ball and say there's an opposite of you and I down there. Our objective, their objective is to get the ball and bring it back to where we just kicked it from. Okay. Because so they typically, so even back then, there's 31 men on the field. There's 15 on one team, 15 on another team, and then there's one ref, or we call them the cert. So okay. there's different positions. There's the pack and there's the, there's the backs. The pack are the guy, the big, the really big dudes you see where they're always, you see them colliding with each other. And like they throw a ball in the middle. That's the pack. The pack has the um, they have oh god, I can't remember. They, they have the locks. They have the um, their name of uh, they've locked the hooker. The god, I'm I'm forgetting the names right now actually. Um, but there's there are typically nine guys in your pack, and the nine guys include all the bigger dudes. Some of the two guys that are typically your guys that like they're gonna they're they're like a wrestler type. They're kind of like really quick, really good at tackling at close range. Mm-hmm. And then the guy mm-hmm. that gets the ball out. So the guy that gets the ball out, he's your scrum half. He is typically your best conditioned player. He's got a good throwing arm. He's got a very good – he has good game general um, field generalship. He's very good at seeing the situations and playing the game however he sees fit. He is our mm-hmm. quarterback. Um and then, so his objective is either to get the pack of the big dudes to progress the ball slowly down the field, or and so that we can get the deep their defense to bunch together. And then, if he sees a bunch, say he sees a, an odd number. So say you and I are say say I'm the scrum half and you're my inside center, which is like a typically a a, a big a fast big strong dude. I fit inside center. Okay. Right. And say you see an, um say you see the opposing team. They have less guys out there defending our guys. You would say, get me the ball. So your pack would give you the ball and you're going to get, you're going to, you're going to toss that ball far out and we're going to run a play. We're going to use our numbers to our advantage, but I can't pass the ball forward. The ball always has to be passed backwards. So if it's passed forward, it's considered forward pass in the, the other team gets the ball. Back. Mm. So it's almost like playing an option. Like it's playing, you're playing the option. You're playing the triple option all the way down the field basically. So and, it's like it's And then like, there's like no downs and stuff? There are no downs. So it's 40 minute halves um and the time doesn't stop unless someone gets injured. So we are always moving. So like I'm either always in a slow a, a jog or a sprint for 40 minutes straight. Wow. That sounds so, nuts. Correct. It is. So our conditioning is all about is about speed and stamina. So a lot of our conditioning was I'm running, I'm jogging, I'm jogging, I'm jogging, sprint 200 meters. I'm jogging, I'm jogging, I'm jogging, sprint 100 meters. I'm jogging, I'm jogging, I'm jogging, sprint 200 meters. It's all about, it's about continuing, it's continuing, continuous movement, but always ready to explode. Like there was a, the funny way to put it, like I wasn't, I wasn't, I'm explosive. So like, I don't have a high top speed, but I can get off, get off tackles and keep pushing the ball downfield. So there was a team, there was a time where I was on defense and they got the ball out, but one of the guys, he missed the ball. So, well, I jumped the gap 
So when I jumped the gap, I saw the ball. It was I saw the ball in my gap. So in de- when you're playing defense, it's like on it's like playing defensive line. Like every guy has a gap or a guy. So typically, um, depending on how your coach sets up your team. So my gap, the ball was right there. So I darted in, caught the ball in mid in mid flight, and took off. I'm not the fastest guy, but what we did was we took it from our try zones because they were about to score on us. So we took it from our try zone all the way down to, I want to say the 20 meter line for their side. Mm. So they, we were 20 meters out, but now we have the ball and now they they're on their heels because like when that I got tackled, one of two of my teammates were on me. So like they, they um, support. So when you get tackled in rugby, the guy that tackles you, God, it's really hard to explain because I feel like I'm just I'm blabbing on. But no, it's making sense. So when you so say you tackle me and I have the ball, your object. So say there's no one around us. I have the ability. You have the ability when you tackle me to get up and take the ball from me. Mm-hmm. But if someone but it, um, and I can't hold on to the ball, if you do that, if I hold on to the ball penalty against me, you still get the ball. And now I have to go back 10 meters. Mm. But say I you make the tackle, but you don't wrap up. So like you hit me, I fall off, but you're not you're not holding on to me. I can I can as long as I place the ball down, I can pick it back up and keep running. Mm. That sounds so, really interesting. Yeah. And so but say you make a you make a beautiful form tackle, you bring me down, but my two guys come, they're behind me. So what they're gonna do is they're gonna they're they're my support. So one guy is gonna essentially he is going to do a, a, a long squat, a deep squat over me. And so he's creating like a strong base to support me because your objective is you want to still get that ball. But now there's what they call a gate. So you have to go through the gate. The gate is my, my body position and where the guy that's rocking over me is. So typically, if you want to create a small gate, so guys create like an L shape when they get tackled. So smaller gate means you have less, less of me to pass over. Because if say the guy say I say I'm long ways say I'm like say I'm creating like a like an like an L mm-hmm. and the guy rooks over me so he's perpendicular over me, you can go over the side of that guy as long as you're over my leg, over me as long as you come through through over me, that it's fine. But if I'm creating L shape and you come to the side and come through the back, that's um that's you're not going through the gate. So that means it's a mm-hmm. penalty against you. You have to take ten meters, go ten meters back. It sounds like a very, almost like um, way too technical. Like there's so many small little technicalities within the rules. And you don't, and you don't learn that until you actually, it's not something like you can sit down in a class and learn. It's something that you have to experience. Like you have to experience, like you have to make the mistakes or see your teammates make the mistakes. Um, Like the funny way is um, it's, it's a sport that you just can't learn. You have to, you have to experience the sport to really understand because the nuances I'm explaining are only through four years of playing collegiate rugby. Yeah. Like if, if you would have asked me these questions um, before that, for those four years, I would have, I would have just told you they're just running down the field just to score a touchdown. Mm. But the more you play and um, the hard, the more difficult your team, the teams you play get, the more advanced, the you learn how to play the game based off of your team, based off how you are. Like we were a small team, like physically smaller than most teams. So we would, um, our game plan was to outrun you. Hmm. We would tire teams out. Like we, and you could see it on their face. Cause 
like we're kicking the ball down the field, chasing after it, bringing the ball. They get the ball back, but we're making the tackles and everything. Yeah. So, but some teams, they have bigger guys, so they can play a more, um, like I'm going to hit you in the face kind of game. Mm-hmm. So they'll just, they'll just charge at you, keep pushing you down the field and you can't do anything about it until you, so it's, it's really, it's, it's a sport that you can't understand until you play like soccer for me. Like I can't understand all the rules. Um, I, the way I put it is you can't fully understand the sport until like play it. Yeah. Then you understand all the Like I'll, I can honestly say I will never understand the intricacies of soccer and hockey for the life of me. Mm-hmm. but every but i've played a lot of other sports so i get i but and someone said and um if you can explain it in terms that i can understand that's that's fine like i just the guy who explained off size to me he explained it in a football way and i was like okay i get that now so mm-hmm. but is though uh, rugby is just one of those sports unless you grew up around rugby that you have to play it to understand it gotcha. and then you really you really get how because then you get you get involved in the countries that play and you see how they play. Um, so, and then you go to rugby matches and it's a lot of camaraderie. It's, it's one of the few sports I got to play where it's actually, it's the only sport I got to play where I can beat up the guy across from me and I can go have a beer with him right after. And um, there were guys I played all four years. I went to their graduations. They came to my graduation. Um, I was in their weddings. Cause if you build a, you build like a, a camaraderie with the guy so this guy decides this guy chose to line up across from you every year, two games a year, and either you beat him up or he beats you up. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I get to go have beers with him. We get to talk to him. That's really cool. And I'm kind of that way with, um, with, at least with understanding sports, I'm that way with cricket. I don't know if you've ever tried to watch it or anything, but it is such a weird sport. It makes no sense to me. I don't understand why you have to throw the ball like a windmill. I don't mm-hmm. understand how you're supposed to hit the ball. You know, apparently you're in the center of the field and you can hit it literally any direction. And then you have to go touch the base or whatever it is or cross the line with the bat. Like that, I just don't understand it. Like I've tried to watch it before my... Some of my good friends uh, down in Vegas, um, their father is full blood Indian. Like, um, oh, so he definitely plays some cricket. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes I would go over and he would be watching, and I was like, Ashuk, his name. I was like, How in the world do you like? What? How do you play this? And he would try to explain it to me. I'm like, That makes no sense to me. I'll stick with soccer. <laughs> like, <laughs> it just it, it's such a weird sport. It's like baseball, but also kind of like I don't know. I it, it almost looks like a version of baseball. But then mm-hmm. there's also like um, elements of maybe like um, oh what's what's the wall ball almost? Yeah, um, cricket is a crazy sport because I actually got to they had a they had an exhibition cricket match in St. Louis when I was out there, and I didn't understand it for for the life of me. But we went and um, the apparent it's. Um, the scores get high. And I was like, why did the scores get so high? And he's the, um, they made the way they explained it to us was that the scores get so high is because you have these guys when they hit the ball, they can, it's, they're basically running suicides up and down that pitch um, until the ball gets back to the, I think he's called the bowler. Mm. And so, and it's, it's, but as an American, it's, it doesn't make a lick of sense to us because it, our closest comparison is baseball. Yeah. And baseball, I've never seen a baseball score where it's 328 to 150. It's like that that's that's not even bad. Those aren't even basketball scores at that point. 
Yeah, and then not to mention it's like from from what I understand the field isn't that big. You know, like of course no. it's it's probably the size of a baseball field. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe a little bit bigger, maybe a little bit smaller, you know, I don't know the exact dimensions. Mm-hmm. But at the same time it's like if you hit that ball just right, you know, and you have a decent amount of of the opposing team on the field, how hard is it to throw it back to the bowler, I think you called it? Like how hard is it to go run, grab the ball and then throw it back and then of course how far is it from where the dude hits the ball to the other end of the pitch and then to come back like how hard is that is it like five feet 20 feet because if you're getting up to 300 points a game which i'm not sure what an average score is or you know an average score line or whatever but you know let's say you're getting the 300 points a game you must be able to run at least four or five of those i would assume but i mean at the same time Mm -hmm. i think there's no like outs or there's no whatever um the only way that you can like end your your uh batting whatever it is you know however you like flip sides don't you have mm-hmm. to like knock the wickets down and like yeah. when you, and that's how you like swap mm-hmm. yeah it's, you have to knock the wickets down um but to us it doesn't it's not something that we we get because it's not something we grew up we grew up watching it's not yeah cricket's not something that just it was just on tv like espn's not playing cricket highlights well and when they would, it would be like those rare occasions where like a guy basically does a baseball-esque, like he jumped out of bounds, caught the caught the ball and say, you know, did, you know, whatever. Yeah. But it's it's not really something that we grew up doing. Like, and you as you can tell, it's a lot of um former British colonies that play it. Even yep. even the, so it's not something that's within our are viewing at it's rare it's rare that we is someone you would watch American like oh what are you doing like I'm watching cricket and yeah. like what but that's that's just the nature of that piece. yeah so I, I'm curious because of course you know it sounds like you're pretty well educated with sports and stuff how did you get into Brazilian jiu-jitsu um so it happened three years ago um I was I weigh 190 right now I weigh 260 wow and um I got into a weight loss competition and um, it was, I think it was like, I uh, first place was going to be like 400 bucks and okay. second place and third place, you know, so on, so on and so forth. So I was like, I want to win this. So what I did was um, this gym down this, this gym, not too far from where I live was doing like a weight loss thing. And it was, I didn't, they didn't tell say much about it, but it was Brazilian jujitsu based. So I started it okay. and um, I fell in love with it actually. And when I was there at the class, it was a, it was a late evening class. And they, um, the owner of the gym was like, Hey, if you want to, if you want, you can also do Brazilian. You can do our, our cause I was doing no gi. No gi is basically like, you're just wearing tights and shorts. Okay. It's, and you look like a UFC fighter, but with the tank, with the, with the compression top on. Okay. But he said, so he said, Hey, if you want, you can do the gi version, which is similar to, it's a, a gi similar to judo. Or karate. Well, I would say judo because the judo geese are thicker than karate geese typically. Mm-hmm. So I started doing that and I fell in love with it because it's um it's very technical uh, and it's very um, and the camaraderie with the people that you're that you're sparring with is is it, it brings you guys really close together. And so I, that's why I started. I lost 40 pounds within I want to say it was like four to five months. And so I kept, so I was down to 220 to an 18. And um, so I kept doing it. And then I got a promotion, a belt promotion. I was like, okay, I'm not too, too bad at this. And so I, it was just something where I found an outlet. 
after after doing you know four years of collegiate of collegiate rugby where I was at 190 195 I found something else I could do and keep the weight off mm. and it was, it was it was difficult because jiu-jitsu is very much a sport where like um my how I do jiu-jitsu is going to be different for how you do jiu-jitsu and and so on and so forth because everybody has different body types mm. so um and it's a journey. Like my, my goal is I want to get my black belt. Um, and the way you get your black belt is obviously by training, competing. Well, you don't have to compete, but I love to compete. So I can sign up for competitions and compete and do all that. Um, and the people that you meet, they're very, um, there's a lot of memes about jujitsu because, um, and a lot of them are true. Like you become a very level-headed, calm person the longer you do it because you realize that you realize that I don't have to be tough all the time. I don't have to do X, Y, and Z. I'm and I'm confident in in um in the whatever surroundings I'm I'm involved in. So you become very calm and like laid back. Like, um, I was actually at our gym yesterday, and um, one of the guys was like, "You look so calm when we're sparring, and but you still like you still like do the things you do." I'm like, "Cause I'm having fun. Like it's." Mm-hmm. It's not about for me. It's not about winning. Like I know I'm gonna, I'll get choked out. I'll be, I'll get submitted. It doesn't matter. It's a part of the game. But what makes it fun? It like, and I'll talk to people. Like one of the jokes I have, one of the guys I was about to, um, there's a choke called uh, a rear naked choke, and um, I was about to get it on him, but his hair smelled really good. So I was whispering in his ear while I was choking. I was like, your hair smells really good. <laughs> But it like, and he laughed when I, when he laughed in them and he tapped, he tapped basically, but it was, it becomes a thing where, um, you like, you can have fun while doing it. Even if you're in a really crappy position, like it's fun. It's fun to see how you react to pressure and react to adversity. Cause every day I roll, especially with the people of higher belts, even some people of the same or lower belt, you're, it's always, you're always going against adverse situations. And I think now I've gotten to the point where I enjoy being in those adverse situations because I want to see how I can get out of the adverse situations without using like my strength or anything all about the technique at that point. Mm. So it sounds almost like a, so hear me out. It almost sounds like a form, a a more aggressive form of meditation. Yes. Um, The way they put it, it's like, it is extreme yoga. Because um, I was nowhere near this flexible when, when I started three years ago. And now um, the positions people put me in, I can, it's, it's, it's mind boggling. And you feel really good after you do it. Like you could have a really bad day in class. Like you people were choking you out left and right. You got submitted 50 odd times, but you're driving home and you're like, I feel really good. I feel like I got some frustration out. I feel like I can do better. I visit these are things I'm going to work on tomorrow when I come back. It's it clears your mind. So you actually go, you actually, you're going to, I've had really crappy days at work. But after jujitsu, I'm like, all right, let's go back and let's do the same thing tomorrow. And, you know, it, it clears your head and you're not stressing about things that don't matter because you, those thoughts leave your mind when you're, when you're sparring people, because you have to focus on what you're doing and your game plan and what you're coming in there to do. Gotcha. So then I, I'm not very familiar with martial arts as a whole. I'm not even mm-hmm. I'm not even sure if you would consider Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as a form of martial art. But what what would be the um, kind of so you know how like 
I, I, and I'm not sure what the terms are, so this is going to sound super vague, but try, try and follow me. You know how, for example, MMA is very much, you know, like throwing punches and stuff. You yeah. know, like each sect of martial arts kind of focuses on a different, uh, what what's the term? A different uh, sort of physicality, aspect. maybe? Yeah. Uh, so what does, yeah, what did you... Jiu-Jitsu will fall underneath the same group as Judo and wrestling. Okay. So, so it's, a, it's a grappling martial art. Okay, grappling. Yeah, there we go. So, that's that's my question, yeah. So wrestling, Judo, um, sumo wrestling, um, there's a form of wrestling that is in, I want to say, a Senegal. That's like a, it's like a different, it's a form of wrestling too. Catch wrestling is submission-based wrestling. It's, gotcha. a, grappling, it's a grappling form of, um, of martial art. And there's only there's only a handful. There's not too many because most martial arts like I grew up boxing. So that's a, that's a, obviously a striking martial art. And mm-hmm. my gym teaches Muay Thai, which everybody knows is a striking martial art. MMA is is the culmination of all martial arts because um, you have and um, MMA has evolved because now you have people that grow up doing mar- mixed martial arts. So there's not like a guy from a wrestling, a strictly wrestling background coming to do jiu-jitsu a boxing background doing jiu-jitsu a kickboxing background coming to jiu-jitsu you have people that are coming in more well-rounded so because that's what they like jiu-jitsu has been around since like um the ufc celebrated so they're they're celebrating like 25 years so like it's been around for well they celebrated 25 years two years ago so it's been around for a long time but Mm. um now we're getting these guys, but it was based off the fact UFC was based off the fact that they wanted to find what's the best martial art. But now we're finding out that the best martial art is all martial art was when you could take pieces from all, all forms of martial arts and you can integrate that within your body type to make you the most, in a way, deadly weapon on the face of the earth. Like in human form. Oh, that all makes sense now. I like for what? So, of course, you know how sometimes you hear something and you think you know what it is, but then when someone explains it, it makes a thousand more, or it it, it makes more sense. Yeah. Like th- right there, that made so much sense to me. Like for like, I knew that it was kind of something like that, but when you mm-hmm. just explained, I was like, oh, like you know, it was almost like you should have had a V8 kind of moment, like throwback. Mm-hmm. But that's so interesting to me. Do you see? Sometimes, because of course, you said, um, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu isn't the strike one, it's the uh, uh, grapple. Do you see sometimes punches and stuff being thrown or like kicks or something to, to you know, maybe like stagger your opponent? Or is it literally like that's illegal? Um, it's typically illegal. Um, there are ways to... So the funny thing about Brazilian jiu-jitsu is that... Um, the person that you're rolling with will be as like typically the way I so I take that back. The take the way I approach it is I will be as nice to you as you are to me. So okay. if you're if you're um, cross facing me, driving my face across into the mat, or like throwing my legs to a certain a certain area, or doing certain things, like you're doing things that could hurt me, I will hurt you. Okay. Like so, it's not my I, my objective every day I roll is not to hurt the person I'm training with. Like I actually, I, I feel really bad when they do get hurt and say, um, and they feel then vice versa. So I always tell people like, Hey, like I will go at your pace. Mm-hmm. So if you want to, if you want to cross face me, you want to like, you know, drive my, my, my face to the ground, push my knee down at a weird angle. then I will make, I will do the same if not worse, because I know how to do it more efficiently than you do. 
Gotcha. That's interesting. So, so it becomes that and that's what it's like in in that's really what it, it is like in most martial arts. It's okay. about it's a respect thing. Um, yeah. It, if, I, if I respect you, you should respect me. Yeah. Like I, I have seen a few fights, you know, a few MMA fights. Uh, you know, of course, I've, I've seen, you know, some of the Conor McGregor fights because he's, you know, more well known. Uh, and, you know, some of the other ones I just kind of, you know, like my brother's into it. So I'll sometimes throw it on, uh, mm -hmm. you know, if I can find a stream or something, because if I'm being honest, like I, I watch streams, you know, like I don't have the money to spend $70 on a fight. So I just... don't, don't worry. I'm in the same boat. As you, man. <laughs> I never said that, by the way. But um, so I'll, I'll like sometimes watch it. And it's really interesting to me to see the 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 level of professionalism and respect. Of course, there's a ton of trash talk. Of course, there's a ton of, you know. Uh, BM, you know, bad manners and everything that are being thrown at each other because, you know, it is a fight. You know, it's yeah. not like it's, oh, I'm going to spit on you and you spit on me and then we call it good. No, like you're going to duke it out. But at the end of the day, you know, like they're standing there, you know, most of the time, you know, like yeah. they, they, they'll like shake each other's hand or, you know, they'll like give a hug or something like that and be like, good job. It's really cool to me to see how brutal the sport is in general, but then mm -hmm. also how professional and how, um, kind, I guess I'll say the uh, opponents are towards each other uh, mm -hmm. after the match. The way it's put is that um, it it takes it takes a different kind of human being to get into an octagon, and you're you're put you're basically both. It's the way you put it. The way I can put it is they're like Spartans and gladiators, but they're being paid to do it. These these two individuals are getting in the ring and putting their life on the line. And so they have respect for each other on that level. Yeah. And, and um, that respect is, um, and you don't, you, people would never understand that until they compete at that level. Not even at that level. Like anytime I compete in a jujitsu tournament, I have respect for this guy because he, he had, he had enough courage to get up that morning, come in, weigh in, make weight, wait, and then come onto the mat and come and, and, um, and shake my hand. Like he's already done more than 99% of the people in the world. Mm. So I have respect for him on a personal level and I have respect for him also as a competitor. And they, it's the same type of respect. Like you, um, MMA, like, and I like, yes, there's trash talk, but it's really, it's really to get, it's really to uh, get their name out there. But at the end of the day, if a guy truly has respect for his opponent, like they can shake it off because they know at the end of the, because they know that he's doing this to provide for his family. I'm doing this to provide for my family. And that's and that's as long as they both have that, that understanding, then like it doesn't matter what happens during the fight. Like they understand they, they have a mutual agreement that like one of us might not walk out of here. One of us might be taken out of here on the stretcher. One of us might, might not come out at all. But I am putting my life on the line just like you are, and I'm okay with that. Mm, yeah, that's a that's a very uh, interesting way to put it. I, I like that. You know, I I like that. I think it's um, I think it's um, you know what? Uh, no, I'm not gonna say that. I'm gonna I'm gonna move us on a little bit. All right. I, I'm okay. I, I'm curious because um, you don't see a lot of people especially well, at least in my experience with university and stuff i didn't see a lot of people in my class go into civil engineering so so like what made you want to go into that and then what do you do with it um so uh so civil engineering 
Um, so first, um, when I went to college, I was first initially an aerospace engineer, an air engineering major. Oh. And um, I found that I found out within my first semester of freshman year that I will I will always be on a computer behind my desk. And I said, that's not what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, so I switched to civil. my dad. So my dad recommended these. I want to try civil engineering. So I tried it. I well, I've not tried it. I joined the civil engineering department and I enjoyed the classes. But um, but I didn't like at least the preliminary classes. So they were they were cool and all. But um, I didn't really um, grow for have a love for the major until my junior year. So I guess I guess people go into civil engineering because they want to enact change on the environment that they can see. And the environments you can see are the sidewalks, the roads, the buildings, the bridges, the, um, the underground, the sewage system, anything, if, like, basically infrastructure. Civil engineers do it because they want to enact change on the infrastructure and make it more efficient. That's why I chose it. Because I see the bridges, I see the buildings. I want to be the person to make these better because I grew up in Los Angeles, earthquake country. Mm -hmm. So, and so I want, I want to design things that, well, initially I was like, I want to design things that, that withstand the test of time. My grandkids, my great grandkids will see what I was a part of. But as I got, as I started learning more, I realized that, that yes, I will design these buildings, but that's not the, that's not the fun part. The fun part is when you actually get to build them. So my degree is in civil engineering because I wanted to what? Because I wanted to um, see the see what I build. But now I'm in the field of construction of, of a general contractor where mm -hmm. I actually get to build the things. I don't use my degree at all. I but I I can. But what I do now is I learn about the different systems that it takes to build the buildings. I'm, I can, and I can literally say now I built that building. Like it's, I was a part, like, it's not just, I designed that. It's that I was there every day making sure that things got done. So I think people choose civil engineering. And why I chose it initially was I wanted to see the change that I could build. I can, I, I wanted to see the change physically, like an aerospace engineer, a mechanical engineer, electrical engineer, they, they, they might design one part or they might, they might design one chair or they might design one HVAC system for a building. But like a civil engineer is the person like without us, that structure doesn't stink. Mm. So civil engineers. So, and, um, and uh, I, I enjoyed civil engineering because it made, it showed me that um, we do have a big say on what happens if we have the money. Cause um, my, my, my um, my specialty was transportation engineering, which is designing roadways or freeway systems that are able to to accept the capacity based off of studies that we have done for certain um, road segments. Or say um, we're the people that change um, traffic lights. So say you say there's a traffic light in an intersection. It's just a standard traffic light: red, green, blue. I'm not red, red, green, yellow, mm -hmm. and um, you, you don't have protected left turn or right turn arrows. Say the population grows in that area. Now more people are making left-hand turns, but it's causing backups because more people are making left-hand turns. So now that's when we sit there and add, we're going to add a left. Now we, okay, we've done the study. Um, when we did the study back in 2014, we had a hundred, we had 
20 cars every minute come through and make a left turn, left-hand turn. Now that number has jumped, or no, 20 cars an hour make a left-hand turn. Now that number has jumped to 300 cars an, an hour making a left-hand turn. And it's causing delays in the intersection. So now we add a left green turn arrow. Okay, now it cuts that, it brings that number down. So now we have now people have the ability to make a protected left hand left a left turn without causing um, problem you know, traffic delays or anything like that. So it's all and then it, the timing might be different. Like you might say, well, this left hand turn is going to be a fifteen second left hand protected left turn light, which means it's fifteen seconds from when it turns green to when it's going to turn yellow to when it's going to turn red. Mm-hmm. Basically. It's about so, and um, or it's about saying in Los Angeles, the the, um, the light rail system is becoming a, a bigger thing. Why? Because um, the car unions destroyed us, destroyed our old trolley and light rail systems. So they wanted freeways because they wanted people to own cars. Now we're fighting. Now the city and Caltrans are fighting back. They're like, well, we need these trains because more people are taking these arteries. Let's alleviate that stress. So, so the, it takes years, years, they study, they do studies, they, they do surveys and they see where people are coming from, where they're going to. And um, from those surveys, you present this idea like, Hey, these are the surveys. This is what people want. This is what we want to do. And um, so then it's, it's a lot of steps, but you're enacting a change in the city that will have far reaching effects into the future. Like there's going to be a train that I can take that my kids will be able to take from where my, where I grew up all the way to the airport that never existed in my entire lifetime, but it will, but now, and so, but now that will be a possibility. There's a train now that gets me from Santa Monica, the beach of Santa Monica, all the way downtown that, that only existed when my grandmother first moved to Los Angeles back in the fifties. So that was what 50, 60 years coming. So it's, the change you're enacting is allowing people more mobi- more mobility choices in a large city. So now I don't have to take my car to the beach. I just take hop on, take my bike to the train, train to the beach, bike to the beach, all that stuff. Mm. So it sounds like overall, and, and you can correct me, of course, if I'm wrong, but it sounds like overall you kind of wanted to to maybe go down this road because you wanted just to make the area that you live a better place. Yes. Um, and that's, and it's crazy because that's actually what a lot of engineering is. Like, yes, we make, they make like an, a person who's a professional engineer can make a lot of money, but like a, like good, a lot of decent, really decent to good money, really good money. But we want to, we, we want to make everybody's lives easier. And the way we, the civil, civil is the macro side of it. So civil is all about, um, well, this bridge is falling apart. Well, can we fix it? No, we can't fix the bridge, but we can build a second bridge. Okay, okay, cool. So let's build the second bridge and then we'll decommission the first bridge. And so that's, that's what it's all about. It's about change on a macro scale instead of a micro scale. Like an aerospace engineer, he might say, hey, I made this design where um, we're going to cut down the, um, we're going to cut down the materials used in making the seats for an airplane so that they weigh 30% less, which in, in reality makes the plane more fuel efficient because there's less weight on the plane. Mm. So it's all about making things 
better is making things better in the long in the long term for everybody. Um, yeah. No, I like that. I like that a lot. It. I feel like a lot of people need to need to take that into at least their everyday uh, rituals, if you will. You know, just kind of have the idea of we just need to do better. You know, we don't we have a lot of people that are very narcissistic in today's society, at least in the States, mm -hmm. to yeah. where I wish more people had your mindset of even if it's something simple along the lines of I'm just going to pick up trash. You know, at least you're doing something to try and, you know, help out the society, help out the area that you live in, make it a better mm -hmm. place. You know, like we need more of that. Well, and I, I agree. Um, and I think that happened. But that happened. That has to happen at your home. Right. Yeah. Like, um my dad was big on community service and my mom, my dad and mom are big on community service. So my brothers and I, we did a lot of community service growing up. And then what's even funnier is that we went to an all boys high school and, um, and we community service is actually a part of your curriculum. Like you have to have a hundred community service hours each semester. And wow. um, yeah, but if you think, and if I told you that you'd be like, how will I get a hundred community service hours? but they give you a list of community service sites and everything that you can work at that, uh, that past students have worked at. And so I remember the one, this one morning, um, this one evening, my brothers and I were like, my brother, my two younger brothers were like, Hey John, we get, we're going to work at the uh, midnight mission soup kitchen for our community service this weekend. And I was like, okay, like, can I tag along? Cause I got, uh, I'm almost done with my hours. So this will finish it up. And they're like, yeah, sure. They, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Cause one of our, one of our teachers was the one that was leading it. So we're late, we're all late, we're all, we're, that next morning we wake up early, we're getting ready. And my dad was like, where are you guys going? And I'm like, oh, we're going to Midnight Mission. We're going to work at the soup kitchen for the day. We're going to do the breakfast, lunch, and the bre breakfast and lunch rush. And he was like, and you could, I could see like the, the happiness on his face. He was like, you need money for lunch? We're like, no, we'll be fine. We'll, because we'll, we'll just come right back home after. He's like, all right, all right. But um, he talks about it a lot. Like, I think he, him and, um, he and my mom, they enjoyed that we had, we had to go out and serve the community. And, um, but we enjoyed it. Like it wasn't, it was, um, it's a very, it's a very big city. There's a lot of, um, we have a large homeless population and it's always good when you can help those people. We would tutor under, um, um, underprivileged kids for um, testing and everything for classes and stuff as well. We would work community service hours in the community by cleaning up alleys. Um, I worked at a battered women's shelter tutoring their kids and um, remodeling apartment complexes for them. So it's all about, it's, and it's crazy. Like um, John F. Kennedy, he said, um, he asked not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. And it comes from a, it really comes from like a local level first. Like, and I, and if you're willing to go out there and help your community and even where you live, like I did a lot of community service when I was in St. Louis too. I built um, tree houses for foster kids. Mm. That, and I was like, I never had a tree house and I have both my parents, but these kids get to have a tree house, but you can see the joy in their faces. So it's like, it's all about willingness to enact change in your own neighborhood. And then from there it evolves. And so like I took civil engineering to like a drastic example, like I'm seeing change at a macro level, but in reality, I'm always been enacting change on a small level, on a local level. And I think the local level make it, and it's, it's feels, if, um, it sounds so um, disingenuous, but it makes me feel good to help people that are in my area. Um, 
not not for not for like the the pats on the back or anything. It's just because if I was in the same situation, I would want someone to help me, right? Mm-hmm. So I try to treat it. I try you you try to walk a mile in their shoes, and I I won't be able to walk a mile in everybody's shoes, but I can at least empathize with them and try to understand. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that a lot. I I wish, like I said earlier, I wish more people would have that idea, that mentality. Um, because we do need more kindness. Here's the, here's the thing that really just kind of blows my mind and just hear me out. Um, Mm -hmm. a lot of people nowadays, especially on social media, but you know, just like in general, a lot of people are like, you know, we just need to love each other and we just need to be kind to one another and we just need to make the world a better place. But yet no one does anything about it. It's, it's all talk. Mm -hmm. It's, 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 they, they, like I said, they don't do anything about it, but they need to, you know, like if you're going to say, Hey, you know, like we need to be nicer to people. We need to be kinder to people, you know, like try and help those that are less fortunate, then do mm-hmm. something about it. You know, we need yeah. to have the mindset of rather than just saying something for whatever mm-hmm. reason to actually be able to do it, you know, act on it. Don't be all talk, you know, do it. And, um, you know, I, 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 I wish more people, like I said, were like you, I think it's, I think that's a good quality to have, you know, um, real quick. Um, I'm kind of curious cause I'm gonna wrap things up. Um, mm-hmm. I want to know what your podcast is about. Kind of use this time right now to kind of like self-promote and, you know, tell me what your podcast is all about, you know, like what you might be doing, any of your socials, any of that. Um, so my podcast is Welcome on Goofballs. And I call it that because my dad used to call my brothers and I Goofballs while we were sitting up watching what, Pokemon or Gundam or stuff like that growing up. So um, a lot of the time it's me um, reviewing or talking through certain talking points of different shows I watch or different movies. Um, I have guests on that are good friends of mine. You're more than welcome as well. If you, or if you have any show recommendations, Daniel, that's more than fine. I will, I'm happy to watch anything, but it's about, it's about um, diving into the different tropes and themes that a lot of these shows and movies have. And because I like, I'm a big, I, I love watching movies. I love watching TV and I'm, I'm a big, um, I'm a, I like the different themes that are presented in different shows and movies. So I like to talk about them. And then sometimes it's really just me, um, just, uh, just, just talking to friends and family about different things. Like it's, it's a, it's a delve into me because um, even though we're not on camera, I'm, I'm black. So I'm black African-American. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, the way I look at things, it's going to probably be different than the way you look at things. Right? Mm-hmm. Just, just based off of our life experiences and everything, but it doesn't mean I can't, I, I can't, I don't, I can't um, empathize with how you are. So it's, it's mainly about me. It's, it's me getting a lot of things off my chest, but also giving a very funny take on a lot of different things I get to watch. Cause some things you might never watch, but I watch it because it, it's something that might pique my interest. Like um, I recently did an episode on my, my fiance. She told me to watch Charmed the newer season of charm. And I was like, I would never, this is not a show I would choose to watch. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. But the themes in the show are, they are good. Like if I have daughters and they want to watch the show or sons, that want to watch the show by all means, they can watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really just about me just diving into the themes, the themes and motifs of different shows. And the more the more television you watch, you start to realize there's reoccurring themes that keep continue continue to happen. Um, so I try to I try to really explain those well, but those ones that I the ones that the themes that I don't get to see often, 
I really like to I really like to go in depth with those show those movies and shows, especially one I just watched called Midsummer. Mm, was, yeah, um, I heard about that. It was a beautiful, beautiful, great cinematography. Um, the themes were amazing. Um, I have a, very, a lot of very funny commentary to go along with it because there's certain things I just wouldn't do in that show, in that movie that don't make sense to me. But to other people, it might like, well, you know, I would give it a try. But for me, I'm like, nah, I can't, can't do it, won't do it. It's just something, something, something seems off. But it's it's me just talking from my own perspective on situations that are incredible, that are actually funny. When you when you think about it, you're like, yes, I would not do that because, and then you go, hey, see, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 really just that. Like I just started it last year. Um, it's um, email welcome home goofball at gmail.com, Instagram welcome home goofball. Um, it's just it's just me. Uh, it's just me giving you my eye, my eye and perspective on shows and movies and the themes and motifs that come from it, because what I see might be different from what you see. And that's fine. That's yeah. more than fine. Yeah. I, uh, if you ever are doing guests or anything and you want one, um, I'd be more than happy to come on. So if that's if, if it's not your thing, totally understand, because, you know, it is about you and your, you know, uh, the way that you view oh. things. Um, oh, no, I have many guests. I have not many, but I have had quite a few guests. So you are more like if there's a if there's a show you want to you you watch and you want me to watch it, let me know. I'll or vice versa. Um, if yeah. there's a show you've already watched, um, you want to discuss it, and we already watched it, we can both talk about it. It's I'm open to anything. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, um, I'd love to do something like that. That sounds really cool because you don't see a lot of people kind of just sitting down and talking about a TV show or a movie, and then the. The ins and the outs of it, you know, you just kind of see people say, oh, you know, like this was good <laughs> and that's yeah. it. You know, you don't, you don't see a deep dive into it. So, yeah, I, I just finished. All right. <laughs> I want to yeah. go off a little bit. I just <laughs> finished the show with my wife. Um, <laughs> we started one day we were sitting down and we're like, all right, what do we watch? And she's like, oh, you can try this. And it was CW's uh, The 100. I don't know if you've heard of it. I uh, have. My dad's been trying to get me to watch it. So that's a show I'm going to start well i'm gonna start watching that tomorrow good yeah it's it's one of the shows i have to start watching yeah it's so i will say this um it definitely gets pretty weird but the first two seasons of that show in my opinion were phenomenal i thought they were (laughs) really really well done um but one of the things that i really like about the show in general is that every single season Little little spoiler alert, but I think it's I think it's good to know this going in. Every season, it, it's the same storyline, but each season ends up being something completely different. If that mm-hmm. makes sense, yeah. Um, and so, uh, what they do though really really well is each season they do a phenomenal job at just trying to help you to think about moral decisions and what mm-hmm. you might do in the situation. It's it uh. Almost every time there's a, a a choice that has to be made, it's either it's it's that idea of the train is coming and there's two different tracks, one with one person and one with like five people. And it's yeah. like, who do you kill? You know, like they put you in, in that situation a lot. And, mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to spoil anything that might be considered a spoiler by some people. I don't think it is, but no. they do a really, really good. Just they, they attack a lot of just really deep, hard things. Um, that a lot of people might not necessarily think about in today's world. And it, it's so well done. I think you'll really enjoy it if you like sci-fi at all because it starts um, 
the, even towards the end of the first episode, you're just like, wait, what? And then it just drags you along the entire way. And it's Ooh. really good. You're <laughs> at the end of the second season. I remember looking over at my wife and I was like, what the heck are they going to do with that? And then it, it just opened up an entire, oh my goodness, it just opened up. And I was like, wow, they actually did a really good job. So um, you, you definitely should try that. And maybe when you're done, um, may, maybe that's something that we could talk about. So whenever you finish that, you know, send me an email or something. If you if you want to do an episode about that, I'd be more than happy to do it. Okay, well, I'm down for that. I'll start, I'll start tomorrow and um, I will let you know, man. Yeah, for sure. Um, so... Again, um, real quick, just so we're done, um, or uh, so we're on the same page. When we're done, go ahead and just kind of type out uh, all the things that you want me to put in the notes. So, of course, you know, like the web page or whatever for your podcast and all your socials and stuff. So I can copy and paste those in the notes. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's one more question that I want to ask you, and then and then we'll be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the thing that I love to ask everyone because. Um, I, I, I like learning. I really do. And I feel like everyone has a different small little take on almost anything you can think of. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this uh, the question is, you know, like what's a piece of advice or like a saying or like a bit of wisdom that you would want to pass on to someone that maybe you've held on to for a lot a long time? You know, it almost sounds like uh, your father is a very smart man. <laughs> you know, he wants you to watch the 100. Not to mention, you know, it, it sounds like your family's very close and everything. So I would assume that your father had he spoke a lot of wisdom to you. But like what was something that maybe you've held on to for a while or for a long time that maybe he said or someone else has said, you know, it could be anything. But what would be that one thing that you like to pass on to someone? Um, it's crazy because it was actually the thing he told me when I was, I must've been 13. Um, I was invited to a party or like a, like a part, like an outing Mm -hmm. um, midday on a Saturday. And, uh, but I had baseball practice and I really wanted to go out, but I needed to be at baseball practice. And like, I was conflicted. And like, I remember my dad, he sat me down and he was like, he basically broke it down this way. He said, like, um, being an adult is, he said, basically being an adult is doing things that you might not want to do, but you need to do because that's the right thing to do. Mm. And um, that sticks with me all the time because there are days where, you know, you might, you, you might feel down. You, you just don't want to do anything. But I think the, the thing about being on my own now is that there are going to be things I don't want to do but I have to do them. Right. Yeah. So I, to me, it's always, um, there's going to be a, so if I had any wisdom in part to anybody, like it, it sounds cold, but there's going to be a lot of things you don't want to do in your life, but they're necessary for you to do. And you're going to look back on that and, um, you're going to be, you're, you'll be happy that you made that the right decision and quote unquote right decision, because it was so funny. I went to that practice and I was one of only five kids over there. And we had a, we had a championship game the next day. Wow. Our, coach, wow. our coach was pretty upset about it. But that next day <laughs> I had the best game ever. Like I, like I had, um, I was um, five for four batting. I mean, not far, four for five batting. Um, I scored three times. I didn't drop any balls and it was in, and um. I got to play catcher and second base that game. And my dad was like, even though we lost the game, like my dad and coach were like, this is why you come to practice. So that at the end of the day, you can't, you don't like, cause the kids that didn't come were beating, were beating themselves up about 
not winning. Like yeah. they were sad and crying. And I was happy. I was like, holy shit, I had the best game. Excuse my language. I had the best game I had, I had had in a long time. But um, and one of them was like, why are you so happy? We lost. And coach was like, because he had a better game than you did. That's why he's happy. He's sad on the inside. He's probably he's more than sad that he, we lost. But he can sit there and say he did his best. Mm-hmm. So it was even though baseball is a very team oriented sport. So. I, I would just tell the people, I would just tell people, um, there's going to be a lot of times you don't want to do something and that's fine. But what makes, will set you apart from the rest is that you will still do what needs to be done, even though you don't want to do it. So, yeah. Yeah. That's no, the, that's, that's the real makings of like a true independent adult. Yeah, no, it's so true, man. And and I'll add on to this because I feel that what you're saying needs to be heard by everyone in the world right now because we have so many people who who are under the mindset of just do what makes you happy or do what makes me happy. You know, if it makes me happy, then I'm going to do it. But that nece- that's not necessarily the correct choice all the time because mm-hmm. there's a reason that there's pain and sorrow and, you know, uh, being distraught, like there, there's negative, negative things in this world, emotions and feelings for a reason. And a lot of the time that helps us to grow, you know, like if, if you remember growing up as a kid, I bet that there were multiple, multiple times where you were punished, you know, not because you, uh, not because your parents, you know, just wanted to beat you or anything. Like, of course, hopefully that isn't the case, but I know, (laughs) I I know for a fact that my parents, if I did something wrong, they'd spank me or they'd be like, what are you doing? Like, and they would discipline me, you know, like my dad would spank me really hard with his belt. And I really quickly learned, I'm not going to do that again. And, and at the time I was like, why are you hitting me? But now that, you know, I'm a little older and I look back, I'm like, yeah, I don't do that stuff anymore because I was disciplined. You know, the pain is there for a reason. There, there's a huge, huge reason that we have pain. And if you're just happy all the time, you're not going to freaking grow, dude. Like you're not going to become a better person. You need to choose to do the right thing. So because yeah. when you become an adult, you're not going to get punished. You're not going to get spanked. Yeah. You know, you might have to pay a small fine or whatever it is. But you have to choose the right thing. Just to reiterate what you said, I think that's excellent, excellent advice. Yeah, and so, and my dad's still around. He, him and my mom, they've been married for, uh, it's been, it'll be 29 years this year. So um, I always, his advice is always great. Um, I actually laugh because the way my parents talk to my brothers and I, it's the same way they talk to other people and people get offended by it. <laughs> So they go like, do your parents always talk to you like that? I'm like, yeah, but then it'd be, it's, it'd be, as long as they're talking to you, that means they care about you. And if they don't talk to you, then they don't care about you. Yeah. So that's how I always look at it. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, John, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. By the way, do you go by John or Jonathan? Does it matter? You can call me whatever, as long as you don't call me late for dinner, man. Late. I like that. That's a good one. Awesome. Well, I'll I'll use Jonathan because I feel like a lot of people go by John and I feel like you're an incredible person. You stand out. So I want to say Jonathan, if that's cool. Thank you so much. Dan. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you again so much for doing this. And thanks, you know, for coming a little early. This was nice. You know, this was a a blessing, if you will. You know, you spoke a lot of a lot of truth and you taught me a lot about sports that I didn't know about. So that was really cool. Um, yeah, if you ever want to if you ever want to have another sports episode, just let me know. I yo. I love I love sports um, and I'm always down to learn more about soccer. So, yeah. Um, so well, by all means, because um, my 
it was funny because I, I actually um one of my favorite English teams is the Tottenham Spurs. Okay, okay, no, 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 no. You can get out now. <laughs> like <laughs> later, bro. Like this is fun. <laughs> when I found out they were a big underdog, I was like, well, I gotta go for the underdog over here. But yeah. um, but no, I know that I know the rivalry is Manchester United and Manchester City. Yep. I like the big that's the big rivalry. Um, so but uh I try to stay out of that rivalry, but it was the the most underdog of underdogs. So I was like, I'll take them and I'll be fine. I, I can live with that. If I'm a if I've been a Raiders fan my entire life, I can be a Tottenham Spurs fan. Yeah. For the remainder of my life. True, true. Awesome. Yeah. Well, how whenever we get in contact again after you finish watching that show, you know, we can definitely do some more sports talk and whatnot. Um no problem. but yeah, you know, like keep keep me in the loop. Uh if you ever, you know, keep going down that line of watching the show and whatnot. And like I said, I'd love mm -hmm. to do an episode with you. Um, I, I hope that you enjoy the Super Bowl. You know, I hope that this day, the evening is great for you and everything. I hope whoever, who do you want to win, by the way? Did I ask you that? I can't remember. I'm sorry. No, um, it's difficult. I, uh, personally, I want the Kansas City Chiefs to win. Okay. Um, I have a lot of family in Kansas City, so it would be nice for them to win the Super Bowl. Gotcha. But also, I feel like Brady is going out. He's, he's this, this has, this might be his last, his last game. So, True. Yeah, Even, I've I've never been a I've never I've never disliked the Patriots or I've never been a Brady hater, but it would either one would be fine. But I prefer to see the Kansas City Chiefs win two Super Bowls in a row. Yeah, I was talking to my brother about it real, real quick. I'll say this and then I'll, and then I'll end it. But I was saying to my brother, like, it'd be cool to see the Chiefs win because, you know, they are I, I would consider that they might be the underdog because the Buccaneers have Brady. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Tom Brady is more than likely a lot of people would consider him the goat you know greatest of all time quarterback mm -hmm. ever and so it would be cool to see him win it because he's not on the patriots and so it would kind of solidify his history you know as saying like oh i can play almost anywhere and still win the super bowl even at what is he like 45 or something like that yeah he's old <laughs> yeah so it, it would i i don't care personally i just hope it's a really close game and it's like down to the wire yeah that would now that would be great so yeah, I can't wait though. It's because um, I'm gonna I'm about to go pick up the wings for the fan, for my parents and my hey grandmother right now, and my mom's she's picking up pizza right now. So nice, cool. Well, I, I hope you enjoy great. that, man, and I hope that the family time is good and everything. And um, I'll let you know when this goes live. I'll send you an email. Um, just a little a little thing. It'll probably be about what's what beginning of February. It'll probably be about mid March or so is when this That's will fine. go live. Um, That's fine. Don't worry about it, man. Yeah, but I'll send you an email and everything. Um, but yeah, I hope you uh. Enjoy your uh, the Super Bowl, and you can enjoy the uh, upcoming week. And thanks again mm -hmm. so much for doing this. This was honestly a, a blessing. It was really fun. I really enjoyed it. No, no problem. I had a great time talking to you too, Daniel. Awesome. All right. Take it easy, brother. You too, man. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Across the Pond. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at KingServant. That's K-1-N-G-S-S-E-R-V-A-N-T. You can also find the audio version on YouTube. There's no video, just audio. You can type in the search bar Across the Pond. And you'll find us with the picture of the lily pad. If you want to support us monetarily, you can find us on Patreon. Each tier has its own rewards, so please check that out if you want to throw some money my way. But please don't feel like you have to. I do this because I thoroughly enjoy it. I don't do this for money. If you know someone that would love to be on the show, go ahead and send them my email across the pond pod01 at gmail.com. And that's it. That's all you got to do after that. I got to do all the hard work. 
but I would appreciate it if you could spread the word a little bit. Tell your friends, tell your family, say, hey, I found this really cool podcast that I think you'll like. The host talks to people from all around the world about anything. Tune in next Sunday and every other Thursday for another awesome episode of Cross the Pond.